Hello, hello, and welcome to the How I Met Myself podcast. I'm Jessica, your host. Thank you so much for joining me today. I have such an incredible episode for you all today. This is probably one of the most profound conversations that I've had on the podcast and really one of the best conversations that I've personally had in a long time. And so I'm just really thrilled to be able to share it with you. Today, I have a special guest. Her name is Eve Gaines, and she is a mother of two girls with one in college and one in high school. She holds an honors degree in medical and psychological anthropology with a focus on rites and rituals. And she also studied eco-psychology and learned traditional healing practices from elders in a myriad of traditions. She is the founder of Ritual, spelled R-I-T-U-E-L, where she focuses on creating experiences that assist you in connecting with your soul's path. She has an absolutely stunning retreat space in Topanga Canyon, which is in the LA area, where she designs custom ceremonies and retreats for individuals and groups who wish to honor times in their lives when they are in transition. That's actually how I came to know Eve. I worked with her on a rites of passage ceremony for myself. She was helping me go through my own personal transformation and really transitioning into doing the work that I am now doing. I consider her one of my greatest mentors as well as a friend. And she is someone who I've turned to for support in motherhood as well as my own healing journey. And so I am just honored to get to now share her with all of you through this podcast. We talk about a lot of things during this episode. We talk about the lost art of ritual and how we can actually bring it back into our lives. But most of the conversation really centers on motherhood. We talk about how we need to value motherhood more and the reason why it is the best training ground for any career. We also talk about why so many women find their calling in their 40s or 50s after they've gone through motherhood. We talk about what what we should be thinking about as we enter motherhood and how that changes as our families grow. Now that I'm on baby number three. I'm starting to think about this again. I'm now in my third trimester and, you know, it's it's different from how I was approaching it when I was having my first child or even my second. We also talk about the importance of putting your soul team together, your chosen family, and and why you need this to support you through motherhood. This conversation really is so beautiful. I encourage you to listen all the way to the end and to definitely follow Eve. I've put all of her information in the show notes that you can easily find her website as well as her Instagram. She has a number of beautiful offerings. And yes, please enjoy this conversation. Mm -hmm. 
Hello, hello. I'm Jessica, and this is the How I Met Myself podcast, a show where we talk about the journey of self-discovery and finding your purpose in life. After years of feeling stuck, I finally found clarity around my purpose. Now, I'm going after my dream, sharing my story here, and bringing you conversations with healers and spiritual teachers to help inspire and guide you to your purpose. Join me and start building the life you're meant to live. Hello and welcome Eve Gaines to the How I Met Myself podcast. Hi, Jessica. I'm so happy you're here. I know that we've been wanting to do this for a long time and actually the timing just feels really aligned right now. I got to see you earlier this week for a new moon circle. And it was just so nice to be in community with you. And you just have such a special way of holding space. So I'm thrilled to share you with my community here. Thank you so much. It is such a delight. And I've also been looking forward to this. And it was such a treat to see you in person and to be together the night before Valentine's Day and a love space. And <laughs> yes, I know it's um, just having that opportunity to sit with a group of women. And it's, you know, many of us, most of us did not know each other beforehand, but you get to have these very intimate conversations and people really feel comfortable opening up and sharing some of their fears and deepest desires. And so, yeah, it's just a testament to you, you and, and how you hold the space. So thank you. Well, I love <laughs> open circles because I do feel like they always call to just in the perfect group of, of women who tend to have these correspondences that really always for me are living proof of the synchronicity of life, you know, and that we're all working in the, th in the same themes and. It's so true. On unique path, but also really intimately woven to one another. It's yes, very well said. So I wanted to just start with talking about your work. I think what you do is so unique. You are bringing back a lost art the lost mm -hmm. art of ceremony and ritual. And you do it in such a beautiful way because you weave in traditions from different cultures from around the world. You are a steward of the beautiful land upon which your retreat sits. And you very intentionally integrate the natural elements into the ceremonies and rituals that you create. And it just helps us, I think, really connect with Mother Earth and all of her gifts. As I said, you provide a safe container for people to move through an initiation, a life transition, a personal transformation, a challenging period, a milestone that needs to be celebrated. And you do so with such care and thoughtfulness. So I wanted to just start by talking about the role that ritual and ceremony play 
could you share some background on why why are they a lost art? Why why do we not have them in as a mainstay in our modern culture? Yeah, that's such a good question. I really do. And it's a question that has really been kind of absorbing for me uh, because I do feel that we are ritual beings. I feel like it's part of our human experience is to be able to relate to one another and to the natural world through the symbolic language of ritual and ceremony. And so for me, it's really been... Um, my my uh, education was really looking at you know the way that other cultures did use ritual and ceremony and then i sort of took that lens and reflected it back on our culture just mm -hmm. noted the lack of rites of passage in particular but also other you know rites and ceremonies that that in traditional cultures would mark um as you said periods of transition times of change whether those were seasonal changes or changes in our own personal life. And I really, what I've come to is really that it, the lack is out of our lack of connection. I feel like there has been this shift away from intimacy um, in humans, intimacy with one another, real care and you know concern and sense of accountability that for one another and for guiding and one another through these times of transition but also there's been a loss of intimacy with the with the natural world you know mm -hmm. as we move into this more sort of individualistic mindset and out of our sense of of relationality of the way that we you know that we participate as humans in in life in that cosmic picture of the life of of life um the more we we do just move away from what is spiritual i also feel you know and spiritual in the sense of not being religious or you know dogmatic but really that sense of intimate personal connection with one's spiritual existence you know which i believe is really um it's a component of of who we are as people on the planet we have our physical we have our mental we have um you know we, we and, and and we do have have this this spiritual and it's spiritual component and it's 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 naturally relational mm -hmm. and it's naturally something that was very, you know, it was key to societies that were small <laughs> where people were invested in each other and yeah. where people's uh, survival really depended on intimate connection with the natural world. So I think yeah. as we become sort of more rational and more, um, and as, as organized religion has also come in and sort of, you know, severed us a little bit um, in, in a lot of cases from our sense of personal connection with, with the divine, with our spirituality. Um, mm. And as, you know, the industrial revolution happened and all of yes. these consumerism, you know, all of these things shift us out of this sense of, of what it is to be human and into, into other um, yeah. Yeah, ways, of, ways of being. Yeah. Yeah. I think we live in, like you said, a very individualist culture. 
and we live a very fast paced life that is very much dependent on technology and, you know, digital technology. And so we've really, it seems like through that we've, we've kind of become very disconnected in all ways. Like it's interesting because technology is sort of meant to connect us, but it's really actually had an adverse effect in real intimate connection. And so that's why I think the work you're doing is so important because you are bringing us back to connecting with the land and to each other. I know that when you and I first started working together, it was really, I was coming to you because I was going through a spiritual awakening and I was just right at the beginning of that. And I can remember calling you on the phone and I had just sort of emerged from a very intense crisis in my life that had gone on for, you know, a year and a half. And it also just had a miscarriage and, you know, I found myself having this spiritual awakening and really wanting to explore, I think, myself as a spiritual being. And I, you know, I remember, I think we were supposed to be on the phone for like 15 minutes and we ended up chatting for an hour plus and then started, yeah, started working together. But, you know, I remember too, you had outlined these different life stages that we pass through as we mature and that part of your philosophy is that you believe we should mark these passages with ceremony. Can you talk a little bit about these different stages and the one that really called out to me because of where I was in my life was that that wisdom years period. And I've talked a little bit about that on the podcast before, but maybe you could share just at a high level what's, what all of the stages are, and then we could maybe dive into that one. For sure. Yeah. So when I think about ceremony and what we are marking, there's sort of, there is this whole trajectory. There first are, you know, what I call the grounding Grounding ceremonies are the ceremonies that connect us with our ancestry, with our sense of place, um, with the seasons. So those are sort of like those kind of lay the backdrop and the foundation. And then if we're thinking of a, of a person's life um, upon, you know, that's sort of the foundation that, that the conception is even based on. So then if we're thinking of a person's life as they mature, uh, there is this the phase of pregnancy and you know birth, which is the mother's experience of birth, but also the infant's experience of birth. So birth and childhood, um, you know, really deserve in my mind uh, their own honoring, as does miscarriage. You know, which you mentioned. So if a if a if a life is lost, that's something that you know that is a complete. That is a complete experience, even though it just has stayed in that in that initial stage, both for the child and for the parents. Right. Um, then, you know, as we move through childhood, there are phases of that that I do think 
can and should be marked when appropriate. And those are sort of based on, you know, the individual's experience. The really significant is an adolescent transition. It's a broader span than we think of it. It really is that whole arc from around 12 to 13, all the way to 25. So within that, you know, for young women, there's the onset of menstruation um, and, you know, kind of covers the full, um, spectrum and in our society, in our modern society of, you know, going, oftentimes going away to college, what that means and what, you know, the departure, leaving home means both for the adolescent and again for the family and for each member of the family. And then, um, you know, as you transition through adolescence and enter the stage of, of young adulthood, there are all of the milestones that happen there. So, you know, there's choosing one's vocation and partnerships. And, um, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're finding a new home and, and there too, for the parents, if you choose to be a parent, uh, there's childbirth. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, you know, usually that stays that those experiences or the initial experience of those is usually, um, navigated through one's late one's 20s 30s later 30s and that's really when I met you was I think because you were 37 and um and when I found that when that stage hits and I, I'm sort of talking mostly about um about female <laughs> the female experience because yeah. that's that's primarily what I focused on um there is we tend to shift out of the novel experiences, the experiences of finding ourselves in the world to beginning to synthesize and beginning to search for greater meaning and beginning to really be self-reflective. Mm -hmm. We are really our own sources of wisdom from this period of inception all the way to this point has informed who we're going to become. And because I was working with so many women at this age, I began to call it entering the, the wisdom years. And the wisdom years kind of have this long on-ramp because I do feel like you, you know, you get these hints of, oh, wait a second, my life is beginning to make sense in a different way. Mm -hmm. I'm going from like letting the outside world inform the choices that I make and responding to those who need me, whether they're my, you know, my partner, my children, my external forces, my boss, my work life, to what is my internal life asking of me? What is my, and that's, it's almost like more, <laughs> more like destiny informed, you know, it's more of that, like, what is my unique path? Um, yes. So I feel like that you know, that onboarding onto the, into the wisdom years can last, uh, you know, usually it, usually it is that, that sort of, I feel like you were, you know, you were quick to jump into it. Um, usually it's, it's like, you know, end of thirties, but beginning of forties. And then as you reach your late forties to fifties, there is this real, you know, entering into self-mastery that's happening. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like a weaving together of all of these little bits and pieces, fragments beginning to like almost braid the disparate pieces of your life that, you know, may have been these different tendrils that you were following um, into your own story. And then mm -hmm. as you as you really are, you know, in your wisdom years proper, 
there's, I, and I, I think it is something that deserves to be marked um, with ceremony, you know, the entry to the real middle of which tends to be accompanied. And I already see it in what you're doing. You know, it's this real like vocation seeking. You almost feel like there's, you know, you, you're, you're listening and you're, you're um, feeling your calling towards something. And usually the, it's a very individual time of life when all of the things that might have happened to you as a child that didn't make sense, all of the interests you followed that seemed so, you know, disparate and scattered, all of a sudden begin to sort of synthesize and coalesce in this beautiful matrix that yeah. is who you're Yeah, <laughs> yeah you know, it's, I mean, you, you put it so perfectly. I, I just thinking about my own path kind of up until that point of 37 as I reflect on all the years that came before I think I was really operating on autopilot mm. I was following a path that had sort of been laid out for me or that I thought I was supposed to be on but it really was not coming from me like the true Jessica mm. it was so much more informed by external influences whether that was my parents my education uh, the media just sort of cultural norms and what our culture rewards or reveres and took sort of a real like shattering for me to start to wake up and see that I, I needed to take a different path because, and I needed to take stock of that conditioning so that I could really start to peel back the layers and really like find my true essence and then start living from that place, creating the path from that compass. Awesome. You describe it so beautifully. I think that's exactly it. We are, you know, we are conditioned for better or for worse by what life is presenting to us. And there is, you know, there's sort of an indoctrination. And when it's not a conscious indoctrination too, which is why, you know, I think, I do think that these life passages are important because they allow us, you know, if you were going through with your children, <laughs> these life passages in a more intentional way, there would be a chance to sort of choose what was being prioritized, what was yeah. being taught, how it was being taught, what was being internalized. It gives you those points of reflection and inflection, but otherwise you do, you move through those years in a way that where, where you are responding. You know, you're mm -hmm. responding to conditioning, you're responding a lot of, you know, the subconscious programming that has been set in early childhood is also, you know, it's creating these, these patterns that we operate in that we're really not that conscious of. And yeah. phase of life, when you do reach that stage of maturity, if you're listening, <laughs> and if you make space for it, life has a beautiful way also of making space and making you listen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but and it will it will do so it'll find a way even if it's not the way you want sure. want it to come yeah that is it exactly but I do feel like this you know that the wisdom years really as I see them are a homecoming 
they're a homecoming to our innate essence. And so often, you know, people do speak about like, oh, wow, I haven't felt this since I was a child. I haven't felt this sense of, you know, wonder or awe or connection to my gifts or, and so I do feel like I am hopeful that as we begin to, you know, parent our children more consciously, maybe they can stay connected, but I do feel at present, it is, it is that opportunity. And maybe we yeah. do need to move away also from, you know, from who we are and see ourselves in relation to all of these things and be responsive to come back to ourselves. Maybe that's just the human trajectory. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I, I recently saw this meme on social media that was, it was showing different women who didn't really find their calling until they were age 40 or above, you know, it was like Vera Wang didn't start her company until she was 40 or 41 or something. And then, you know, it would profile different people like that. And there's a narrative, I think, in our culture that we're supposed to have it figured out earlier than that. And based on, you know, what you have have shown with these different life stages is that, and, and kind of what you just said about the human trajectory is, I think it's actually an unrealistic expectation that we would have it figured out before that. This is it. And I do feel like, especially for women, it is so common to, you know, there is, of course, there are of course those stories of people who follow their path and know what they're up to in their 20s, 30s, and go for it. You know, they're zooming, they're blazing their trail, but so often even in their 40s and 50s, there is that shift. But I do feel... For women, what I see, and maybe it is because of the motherhood phase, which is so focused on the other, mm -hmm. that is in the 40s and the 50s when we really begin to see ourselves <laughs> again yeah. in like full relief and prioritize ourselves and also have this sense of accrued wisdom that informs our own, you know, really unique life path. And I, I, I feel like it's important, especially important for women to remember this because of, you know, patriarchal society. <laughs> so much of what we live is based on a male model. Mm -hmm. In the male life path, um, when you reach the age of maturity, 40s and 50s, you are naturally seen in our society as, you know, worthy of these accolades of these job titles, being CEO, being, you know, leader in your industry, being all of these things. Women traditionally for the last long while have not had that path, that trajectory. So there has been this very disproportionate, um, you know, recognition of male mastery and that aging is, you know, really something that for men, even in you know, all the adjectives we use, all the ways that, that we, that we recognize men who are, who are coming into, you know, coming into their own and reaching their moving through that midlife passage yeah, and, and becoming more and more accomplished. Women have been sort of expected to almost recede at that point, you know, our beauty ideals favor mm -hmm. 
young women, they don't favor women's maturity and our wisdom. And there haven't been traditionally that many places for women in leadership. And to be honest, why I love this work and feel that it's important is because I feel like women leaders are going to change the world. And that's what we need. Yes. <laughs> These models that recognize, you know, that recognize that. And so in order for that to happen, we have to recognize our own brilliance and be ready to champion ourselves as mature, wise people. And we have to recognize it in one another. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I think a lot about how motherhood impacts the woman's trajectory because I think we have been sold a narrative that women can do it all. They can be mothers. They can also quote, lean into their careers. And I think that what we're finding is that that's really not true. It's hard to actually really do it all. Um, it, one, one or the other tends to have to, you know, take a back seat at least for a period of time. And so I'm just wondering how you see motherhood fitting into that as women are moving into those leadership roles like men are, but do you think that that's really that it's really possible to kind of have women just slot into the same path as as men. In order for it to happen, <laughs> we need to value motherhood. And exactly. Teaches us because I do think that it is an incredible training ground. I mean, talk about a university of the self. It is depthful, profound work that allows you to be a leader like none other. <laughs> yes. Well, and, you know, as you were talking about how in the 40s or 50s, women, that's often when women start to focus on themselves again and prioritize themselves because they've been focused on others during their childbearing years. Prior to that, I was thinking about it. It's not just that in their 40s and 50s, they have the space and time to focus on themselves. It's actually that they've been through the motherhood experience where they've gained all these new skills and new perspective that allows them to enter those years with a different mindset That's and a different really way of understanding who they really are. Who they really are, who other people really are, others. I mean, there's a there's just such an immense um, skill set that is born from mothering, you know, including just profound empathy, being able to to really prioritize. I mean, it's it, I, I can't even list the <laughs> yes. being resourceful, being creative, being spontaneous, being patient, being connected, you know, yeah. being being consistent. They're all of these these really profound life skills that equip you, I think, and what I'm seeing in women who you step into to more like business type of leadership in later in life is that they step in and they are beyond ready. I mean, this is a, this is, <laughs> this is a training ground, like 
nothing else. If you've managed a family, you can manage a team. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, Corey. It's almost like it doesn't matter if you took several years away, off from like the corporate business world because the skills that you're gaining during that time as a mother are actually just as valuable, if not more valuable than what you would have been doing. And if, if you just stayed in the same job, that's really, I really believe that. And so I also, you know, it's the traditional like trifecta of the female experiences made in mother crown. And, you know, I kind of intentionally shift out of that because I do feel like, motherhood has been devalued and to see ourselves just as mothers in contemporary society is restrictive. And it, yes. it could have also others, women who don't make the choice to have children. And then it casts us immediately into this crone, which also has pejorative connotations. But it's important to remember that that, you know, three-part movement was once really revered, <laughs> you know, and the holiness, the same, like the the the, re, the fullness of being being a maiden and what that meant, being a mother, being able to you know create, sustain life, <laughs> and what that meant, the valuing of that, you know, that was that was worshipped. If you look at female, you know, idols that they're so often this like beautiful pregnant model of the feminine, which was seen as the divine. Yeah. It's oh. funny because I do think we've lost that to some extent, but I will say, especially because I'm pregnant right now, I think that there is still that admiration for pregnant women. People really do sort of treat you very differently when you're pregnant. And I think, I, yeah, exactly. I, people do, they can't help but do it. With, which They're are, drawn to you when you're pregnant. And it's, I think that gives us clues about yeah. how it was. I'm always sort of looking for those clues, like the vestiges of things. And I do feel like the way that pregnant women are treated in this very, um, you know, you can't help but recognize that there is something truly miraculous happening. And Pregnant women are gorgeous and glorious and they're glowing, connected to, you know, themselves and the world in a different way. And so I do, but I think it's important to bring it, to bring that back and to really, um, you know, honor and recognize that. But I do just, I, and I do think that it's in, in the same way, I think it's important, the active mother, and they're not so glamorous, the, you know, I'm on my, I'm on the street with my crying children and it's really hard. <laughs> Yeah. should also be revered and recognized and just isn't quite as much, you know, <laughs> it's not as glorious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't have quite the same allure as, you know, a glowing pregnant woman. That's really been my realization recently is that I think, you know, feminism has been so focused on career and really did devalue motherhood in a lot of ways. I don't think that was the intention, but I think it just was a unintended consequence. And yeah. yeah. And so my experience has been more similar to what you have been talking about. And that's really why I created my offering the expanded mother mentorship, because I see motherhood as this incredibly expansive time. It 
does it it completely changes you and and really for the better you know people like to sort of focus on the negatives oh my body changed in this way but that's kind of going back to like you know what you were talking about how our society values beauty and youth and you know and it's but the ways in which motherhood expands us for the better is just it, it's it's infinite I mean the skills you gain and and just how you view the world how that changes so dramatically and so I think there's so much opportunity in motherhood that we have not really recognized yet I think or societally you know I think when I entered motherhood I viewed it as something that would limit me I thought, well, if I'm going to be a mom, then I'm not going to be able to, you know, find my true purpose in life. And I'm not going to be able to have the career I want to have or, you know, fulfill my dreams. And then my experience has been the complete opposite. Isn't that exciting? I know I, I, I hear you. And I feel like that is, I went to a very feminist high school and I was always taught, you know, we can be all things. And yeah. I think, Intention <laughs> messaging that we, you know, don't limit yourself. Don't think that because you have children that you can't do these other things. And it's true. And I feel like there is a season for everything. At least there was for me. For mm -hmm. me, like when I became a mother, I, you know, I was, I, I had that programming going in and then it was so all consuming that, I mean, I ended up not only shifting away from my career path, but I ended up homeschooling my children. I really just went all in and that became, that became my life. And I really wouldn't have had it any other way because of what, and I do have to say, like, you know, I, I, I was hard on myself through a lot of those years about, you know, am I abandoning my goals? Am I, you know, how am I, doing this and staying home and only working sometimes and counting on my husband to it just felt very, you know, antiquated in a way, but then I had to value, um, you know, what my children were getting from the experience, the mm -hmm. education I was able to curate for them. And then also for me, it's, as you were saying, you know, it was this expansive, which is why I'm so excited about your work. It was this sense of, I mean, I would not be who I am today if I hadn't taken that, in a way, it was a detour, right? It was like, yeah. everything on hold for this, this purpose. But yeah. at the time, it was really, how could I not? I had these children and I want, I knew that I wanted something different for them and I needed to scaffold and create that. And yeah. I to also be present to, you know, motherhood. I'm sure you speak about this often, but it does. It brings us into such profound um, connection and relationship with who we are as people and, you know, what we need to sort through so that we can mature. Yeah. Yeah. That's really at the foundation of, of the work I do. And it's the necessary part before you can really find the expansion, you have to take stock, you have to be willing to heal those layers. But there's nothing like motherhood to surface all that needs to be resolved and healed. 
Completely. Yeah. Both of my parents are um, <laughs> trained as child and family therapists. And I remember my mother saying to me, you know, ev with every age your child goes through, you're revisiting that age. And for me, that was profoundly true, especially with my first one. You know, I always talk about it as to know that first one. <laughs> And you're really re-meeting yourself and you're re-meeting yourself at all of those stages. So there is this integration and this maturation that, mm -hmm. has, that is profound and unique. And then we, you know, with each subsequent one too, you get to meet different versions of yourself because they bring out different things and they're different humans. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, my, my oldest is just about to turn five, so I'm, you know, I've only gotten to re-meet myself up to age four and a half, but actually four and a half was a really important time in my life because it was right around that time that my parents were separating. And so I, of course, you know, I can't help but look at my son and, and think about myself being that age and and having that happen in my life and how that how how it would have affected me through the eyes of a, a four and a half year old because I can only you know up until this point I could only really see it through the lens of the age that I was that's rather than yeah that's exactly it and I do feel like there is something so you know it's like that it's that mothering bond that we have where we are, you know, it, it expands the heart work. <laughs> We're living our own lives and then we are relating to our children and the age stages they are navigating. And it, it does, it's like that, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's a visceral somatic <laughs> experience of yeah. you, um, what you experienced at that age. And I don't think, you know, it's oftentimes it's not, it's not conscious. It's not mental. It's not like, oh, they're experiencing this. And this is why I'm seeing, you know, them in this situation as dangerous. It's not in really think back into the recesses of your mind that you're, yeah, you're like, wow, that, anyway, at, at, at that age, I navigated whatever it is that you were navigating that mm -hmm. in the way that you're experiencing your child's, um, your child's, uh, yeah, experience of that of that age and the way that you're drawn to mothering them. And then you get to also make conscious choices through that of, okay, is this something I'm going to be passing along? Is it relevant? Does it make sense? Am I making a different choice that allows for a different, new set of options? So there's, yeah, it's, it's big, good yeah. work. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to actually just pick your brain about the mother wound and, and how motherhood can activate that wound and and what some of the like how you approach that because I know that's something we've talked a little bit about and I think that motherhood even if you've done work to heal that wound and which everyone has to some extent motherhood brings you back into that for sure for sure. This is a, yeah, it's a tender topic. And because I do feel like with motherhood, we are granted the opportunity to have different relationships with both of our parents, really, but especially with our mothers and to see the choices and the, 
people that our mother showed up as with new layers of understanding perhaps and compassion. But with that does come the real recognition, I think especially for making choices that are different from those that our parents made, that our mothers made in particular, then there help but being be that rawness of um you know the yearning and i do feel personally i feel like it is an opportunity to reparent ourselves you know because this it really it really is at this phase of our life once we've kind of crossed over that threshold really after adolescence you know it's like that that time once we reach that threshold of of in our mid 20s our parents aren't able to reach those parts of ourselves that need reparenting. <laughs> you know, we might have beautiful conversations with them. We might do some healing with them in person that is yeah. significant, but really to reach those more intimate layers that were really, you know, programmed in so deeply into the subconscious when we were younger it's only our adult selves that have access to that. Mm -hmm. There is, you know, for me, the re kind of the working of the mother wound, there's what I've done in relation to my own mother, which, you know, by virtue of our relationship and its limitations sometimes is frustrating for me. <laughs> yeah. And there's the work that I'm able to do for myself in recognizing, you know, what might I have needed? What might I have wanted at those stages? And how can I, because I do believe we can, you know, we can access those layers and we can give it to ourselves in the present. And then it's almost like there's this uncoiling, unwinding of everything that has been built on the pain, the lack, the challenge and, things can shift profoundly, but I do feel like, you know, it's sort of, it's an inside job at mm. that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, the work that I've been doing with the podcast, I think it was just really hard for my mom to understand, like, why am I doing this? You know, I had this career in corporate and tech to her. I think that was the path she I think she could understand it better and so therefore it was something she could admire and that you know it was associated with success financial success and also just you know acknowledgement recognition sure. but this work is you know, she was kind of like, well, how are you going to make any money doing that? And it's like, that's not the goal right now. Like I'm doing it because I want to do it. I, I love it. And, you know, I have something to say and I want to work with people in this way. I want to serve people. And it was just so hard for her to, to really understand. I think she's, she's starting now to see how it's, how it's evolving. And, you know, but that was, that was such a challenge. It was, it just felt like she was, not approving of, of my choice. And I remember a conversation you and I had about it, which was that like, you kind of said, it's probably hard for her because she couldn't make choices like that for herself. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, that it, it's like, you've had the courage to go and do this, but maybe she didn't in her life. Yeah. And you are, I mean, just to speak again to the devaluing of motherhood, you know, it was in her mind, it probably was, she wants the best for you. She, so she wants, you know, her in the way that her value system is set up, that looks like a career path that is oriented toward this male model of success. But I just really want to, you know, to honor what you're, what you're following and what you're putting into the world, because it is a reworking of that. And and she is now able to observe that and witness. And I do feel like, you know, back to what we were talking about, about the the devaluing of motherhood and that needing to shift this to me is such a perfect example of that because you know I'm sure she she's the product of her generation and that was what was really being indoctrinated is that Mm -hmm. that was not the model of success that we're seeking and and I think also you know just to we really need to remember and this kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier this timeline of you know if 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 we're lucky we live long lives that span many decades yeah and so it's not that you're focusing on motherhood instead of career it's that you're being present with your phase of motherhood creating a career in the midst of it and then who knows where that's going to take you and who knows what ways you know the careers that you held in your in your 20s and that you chose not to fall, you know, who knows what ways those are going to weave back in and what you might be doing in your exactly. 50s, 60s. I'm excited to see the way that you get creative with all of these. Yeah. Well, that's exactly it. I think I always tell women that is that if you do choose to take a different path after you've had one career, a corporate career, it's not that you're completely abandoning all of that, or, you know, it, it wasn't a waste. It wasn't, you know, because you do, you pull in threads from those experiences. And I've talked a lot about that on this podcast and how so much of the, the experiences that I had in my corporate job have become woven into what I'm doing in this job, it's the, the work is, is very different, but it's, it's still drawing from that experience. So it's not like this lost, you know, time or waste that, you know, I invested all these years in that career and now I'm just throwing it all away, you know? Yeah, that's it. And that's really, to be honest, that's, what's been so exciting about, I'm just to divulge my age. I'm a 50. I'm on that threshold. And I'm honestly, it's been so exciting and mind blowing the extent to which all of the different, you know, the things that I studied that I thought were just like random interests, the thing, jobs that I held, the ways that I, you know, the, the, the paths that I followed and then sort of consciously 
let go of the way that they all are making sense now in the creation of my business, which really just started, you know, when I had enough space after homeschooling, my children didn't need me in the same way that they did. I'd been, you know, consistently still doing ceremonial work with people because it's what I love doing throughout motherhood, but not as a business per se. And in creating my business, it was like, you know, I I studied design at one point and then was like, oh, well, that's nothing because I never got my actual credential. I got pregnant. I dropped it, you know, but (laughs) that plays a huge role in what I'm doing now. I'd followed all these different paths that now give me, I I often talk about it as like, you're, you're, um, you're, you're, you're getting your tools to put in your tool belt, you know, and your, your array of tools that you have are going to be unique and allow you to really blaze your own trail doing whatever it is that you, that is, you know, if you listen, that is sort of your vocational destiny, I feel. And it is going to give you an incredible array of tools to add to that. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I've recently heard this concept called a career portfolio as opposed to a career path. Mm -hmm. And I just love this concept because the career path is very limiting. It, it sort of forces you to follow a very linear path that says each experience needs to connect to the subsequent experience in some way. And, you know, it needs to be very, very linear. And that's just, um, I, I don't think that we gain a depth of experience if we, if we limit ourselves in that way. And so the career portfolio is really this, it gives us permission to expand in all different directions and to really build that toolkit and in in a way that brings so much more depth to the next experience we have. And I totally, I totally agree. And as somebody who now has children, you know, one of my daughters is 21 and midway through college. And that's how, you know, it's also a realistic view of the world that we live in. It's, you know, that we're going to be bankers and follow this one. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Life these days needs to be more creative and more responsive. And in order to do that, and and I do feel like as humans, we need to be more free, Mm -hmm. you know, follow passions to, and to have an array of things that, um, that we're excited about, that we have as, as kind of possibilities for ourselves that we, yeah, I love the career portfolio. That is a great (laughs) concept. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. So I wanted to talk a little bit about ritualizing the transformation from maiden to mother, because it's obviously top of mind for me. I've, I've been through it now twice before, but I, I am planning to approach it somewhat differently this time, although I'm still figuring out exactly what that looks like. But what what are some of the ways that that you can really help a woman mark that transformation? Because it is such an important milestone and an initiation in a woman's life. It really is. And I feel like you've touched on something important too, though, which I don't think is 
really spoken about that much because so many aspects of motherhood aren't spoken about that much. That the first point of entry is not the same as the second or the third. So the first point of entry, you know, it is this new experience. It's discovering oneself as a mother and subsequent experiences of bringing a new child. You're bringing a new child then into an existing family. Mm -hmm. And within that family, there is already an existing family culture. Mm. And so, you know, I like to think of it in terms of there, there's, you know, there are beautiful ceremonies and ritual. First of all, you know, I, I always, when I'm creating ceremony and ritual, they're, they're very personalized. So it tends to be, it's less, this is what we do every single time and much more. What, what is it that you need at this point? But mm -hmm. a first time mother, I feel always needs that sense of, well, any mother needs a sense of community and support. First and foremost, you know, you need to know who your people are, Who's going to have your back, hold your hand and help you through. Yeah. Subsequent parent experience ventures into parenthood. You need to know who's going to hold your children. Mm. Who's going to cook for them. Who's going to be there. Who's going to see you when you might be losing yourself in this, you know, to these, this additional layer of demands, challenges. How are you going to be? held and uplifted and brought back to yourself who's going to be reminding you of those things and yeah. how are you going to, you know what tools and techniques do you have what resources do you have to make sure that that happens I do feel like with subsequent pregnancies though it becomes sort of a family affair like there's not you know there is your your personal experience that you're having as a mother mm-hmm marking that threshold but then so often as a mother with more than one child you're also having to hold what your children are holding bringing a new sibling into the family what your partner if you have one is holding so it really becomes this kind of multifaceted process that is an expansion of of the family and I said as I said of the family culture which I feel like you know with with ceremonies, we get to create culture, mm. decide, you know, what matters to us, what is significant, how are we, how do our values inform our choices, what is the texture of our lives, mm. so as we shift into having larger families, it's the recognition of, you know, what exists already, who you each are already, who you are as a mother already. And what you might want to be shifting, prioritizing, what this what this new version of your family holds. And so I would invite you to become kind of radically honest with what's going to need to change for you and what type of support are you really going to need? You know, it might not be learning how to breastfeed <laughs> or, you know, whether or not you do or, you yeah. know, figuring out how to put a career on hold at this point or, you know, navigating parenthood with your partner. But it might be really, you know, the practical, like, what are my days going to look like? How are my children getting to school? <laughs> what is what is the refrigerator going to look like? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, there's a big hole in our society for this. And that's that's part of the hole that I'm trying to fill. I think I, you know, am just one part of that. There's like postpartum doulas that that can help fill a hole. Of course, there's having childcare for your older children as well as your newborn. Um, but yeah, it just, it does feel like we don't, have a great way to really uh, support the woman's experience as she's moving through this stage of motherhood. And this is all, yeah, you know, we have like just from a ceremony standpoint, it's like we have a baby shower as a ritual, but that's, you know, that's very, it's, it's very commercial. It's about gift giving and, you know, it's not really focused on the mother's experience. Mm -hmm. And even a lot of the rituals that happen, like in different religions or different cultures, a lot of them are really focused on the baby and not on the mom. You know, there's obviously like, you know, you have uh, rituals for naming the baby or blessing the baby or circumcision, you know, in certain cultures, there's a lot of the Eastern cultures have a tradition around burying the placenta and the, there's, there's all these different rituals, but it's like, what, it, what is there for truly supporting and, and, and honoring the woman's experience of becoming a mother? Totally. I, I, and this was something that really kept me connected to creating ritual was being in community with, with mothers who were wanting that. Yeah. And it's been, you know, I, I don't use the word in, anymore, but there is a Navajo ceremony called a blessing way that is about the mother. Mm -hmm. um, it's what, you know, I studied a lot before I created a lot of what the, the ceremonies that I created just because of the stage of life that I was in when I was in my own childbearing, you know, in my own like late twenties, thirties, even, you know, now I still hold them for people, but it, it's not, um, not in the same way before it was much more, this is what my friends were navigating and I could see that they needed something. So you're speaking, that's, you know, exactly what kept me kind of invested and interested in this um, really organic creation of, um, of ritual. Yeah. And there, you know, there already was an emergent, an emergent way, you know, that I, I drew some inspiration from of you know creating these ceremonies that recognize and honor the mother but as as I started supporting my friends through this as I navigated my own passage through this and really recognized like wow there's a profound thing that happens when women just gather to support other women and especially I do have to say you know that was I I, I had with my first child a I think I had a co-ed baby shower, you know, it's very sweet and cute. I had my own with my, yeah, with my, 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 you know, friends, my intimate girlfriends, that was a, a sweet dropping in, but less ceremonial. 
But what was so profound was to be with other mothers who were bringing their second, third, fourth children into the world and to make a choice that we were going to be with each other without our children. I know when that was possible, if young infants needed to come, that could happen. Mm. It was a real prioritization and seeing and witnessing this mother in her newness, because as I said, like it's not the maiden mother transition, but it always is the maiden mother transition. <laughs> and yes. it's always bringing in a unique new life. And it always is going to be a shifting. We're always going to be different. And the child we're bringing in is different to the ones that we had before. And so there is this, this gathering. Yeah. And so, you know, what I usually support is a gathering of women who are so who are important who are instrumental to and connected to the the pregnant woman yeah and usually what i love to make sure is that they you know represent different facets of that woman's life and when sub, when you know when it's about not the first child but subsequent children it needs to be a group of women who can be activated and called upon and who know that that's the role they're playing too. Because as you said, there are, you know, for those of us who have resources, there are postpartum doulas, there are nannies, there are these things, um, you know, and they're a significant portion of people who don't have access to those who need this support in a, you know, such a vital, vital way but you know even for those of us who do have the resources to gather and to to sort of outsource or to make sure yeah. that the team the team there is a there is a soul team <laughs> that need to be activated to they're those yeah. are going to you know as I was saying before like not just make sure that you have time to like go off to a yoga class but people who are going to see you who are going to look into your eyes and be able to see your emotional state, to care yeah. about and to stay with you through the experience. Yeah, that is, that's really what I find is, is missing. And it's, it's like the concept of the village, but like, how do we modernize that? Because obviously we don't live in multi-generational, you know, we don't live multi-generationally anymore for the most part. Don't, but honestly, I do feel like finding those, those, and oftentimes they aren't um, familial relationships, right. you know, blood relationships, but it's chosen family. And for so many, you know, we're not living near our, and we might not be choosing to for certain reasons, even. <laughs> yes. Well, I, it's, it's hard though, because of the way our culture is, and we're so, global today and and just people don't you know people move away and they they live all over I mean, for me my closest friends are my friends from college but they don't live in LA they're all on the east coast and so they're great in terms of being able to like have their real conversations with through you know, at this point, it's mostly through text, but it's still at least like there's a depth to the conversations. It's not just surface level, but they're not able to physically be in person with me and and you know, to, to really witness what's going on. 
very similar experience of, you know, having those who are my, who are my nearest and dearest be far away. And I also was sort of the first in my group of friends to choose to become a mother. So there was so also like, I'm on my No own. one understood. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it was really profound for me. And I think it's something I've mentioned. I know I mentioned it the other night in, in Circle is, you know, what, what I really feel helped, saved, guided me through the trenches of my motherhood journey was creating a circle. We met once a month consistently. We, you know, at the beginning, it was people who I said of, you know, they weren't necessarily the people I gravitated to, but they were the ones who also heard the call. And as we deepened into this sort of devotional practice of being there for each other, listening to each other, you know, really in the practice of counsel where you're just bearing your soul and witnessing, <laughs> there became this, I mean, it, it honestly is, it was like my safety net. It saved, it, it helped us navigate. I think I, I mentioned to you, you know, I, I, I was really lucky in that I created this when my children were pretty small um, and I, I had the same circle of women we met once a month for about a decade and we saw each other through you know subsequent births through divorces through loss of parents through career changes even through moves you know through things yeah. life and that really just having people present in real time who you, and I have to say another gift of that, just since we're talking about parenthood that I was reflecting about with one of, you know, these are now my closest, closest friends in the world who I can get to no matter what, but we were reflecting now that we have kids who are college age on, we used to just meet at each other's houses and we were reflecting on the atmosphere that was set for our children and the way that our children who are not these you know they're they were real kids they were not angelic creatures all the time <laughs> <laughs> respond to that there was such an interesting you know we'd come we'd bring like special foods to have at circle we'd set the space beautifully and immediately it was that we were saying it was such a gift to each of us when the circle gathered in our house because there was like this impression that was left on the home where ceremony of this type, like this yeah. dropping in had happened. And our kids at every age, you know, even like up to rowdy teenagers would just respond. It was like, oh, you know, we know that's important. Mom, they're there. And I feel like just in terms of modeling. It's sacred it, and they notice. It's special and it's sacred. Exactly. And they notice and they know that that's not a time when you're going to go, you know, you're going to figure out your own problems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're brushing your teeth on your own that night. <laughs> you're going to just let that happen because. Yeah. It, so what was the format? Was it very informal or was somebody leading it similar to like how you were leading the other night? It was much more in, it, it was, it wasn't led by one of us. It was mm -hmm. very co-creative. Yeah. Um, we always, it, it was simple. We kept it, which I think was part of its magic. 
Um, We liked using Oracle decks and and tarot cards sometimes. So that was often, you know, we'd each pull a card. The one thing that did stay formal, which I found, you know, occasionally we would shift out of the practice of counsel, which is just the practice of really, um, you know, one person having a talking piece and having the floor and other people listening. Yeah into more conversation and that really shifted things. Um, So I found, we found that returning, we had some, you know, we'd we'd switch it up every now and then and be like, okay, we're going to do, you know, a share and then reflection round. And then, you know, every so often we'd be like, okay, we have to keep ourselves on a timer to a certain amount of time. I mean, I think it's different. (laughs) Yeah. But we, we found what worked best for us was, was counsel an informal, little bit more informal counsel where there was opportunity to reflect. Yeah. But yeah, it was, it was just in terms of creating it, you know, whoever was hosting it kind of set the stage, other people getting treats. I'm getting ideas. I really want to create something like this because yeah, it's something that's lacking in my life. And I think for, for most of the women that I'm friends with, I mean, I have all my friends in LA, actually I've met through being a mom because I didn't live here before I became a mom. And so most of the people I've met have, I've met through my kids activities in school and, you know, so everyone I know is a mom, but Yet the conversation, when we get together, it it tends to be a bit more surface level. It's hard to really go deep, I think, for a variety of reasons. And so I think creating something like this that has a bit more intention behind it seems really worthwhile. That's what I was, yeah, that's really it is, um, you know, when we're navigating life as mothers with our children, it's hard to drop into those conversations that are going to take, take us to who we were in our previous versions of ourselves. Um, you know, what we're navigating in our relationships, what we're navigating, even what's hard for us in parenthood. Those aren't going to be the things that we're going to touch on, you know, when we pass each other yeah. <laughs> for like an hour long coffee. So it really, for me, that, that was really, that was really what it, what this practice became was it was getting to know these women in my life with the degree of intimacy that isn't easily obtained through just the fast pace of living that we it's it's, it's really like devotional creating space (laughs) to create connection Yeah. yeah I think that's so wise um I definitely need to do this. (laughs) Well, I know we need to wrap up. I don't want to keep you too long, but if, if there's any last words, I mean, I think one thing maybe that might be on people's minds is just how can they bring the ritual back into their lives? Because it is this lost art, but it's something that I think people really appreciate and, and crave. Yeah. I agree. I agree. And I, I often speak, I'm going to speak about two things. So I really feel like ritual is about a quality of presence that you have with your life. So it doesn't have to be this lofty, like I'm going to go into ritual and do such and such. It really can be about just bringing 
reverence and attention and care to moments of your life that you, you know, whether they're mundane moments of like getting yourself a warm drink in the morning or lighting a candle, having a bath, you know, those things can easily become ritual when we shift the quality and the, um, the way that we are, are interacting with the experience, the intentionality behind them. But then there also are those rituals and ceremonies that we get to hold for ourselves and for one another. Mm-hmm. Um, for those, I do feel like, you know, I love creating ceremony and rites of passage. I also feel like it's something that we should all be able to do for ourselves and one another. Mm. And so, you know, if someone that you, if if you know (laughs) that you are navigating something, taking the time to figure out and resource a little bit, what would, you know, what can you do to create symbolic, meaningful connection to what you're going through? Mm. And who can you call on to support you in that? And if you know that someone in your life is navigating a transition, in what ways can you be creative and resourceful in supporting them? Mm. You know, in my mind, ritual and ceremony are, they're emergent, creative. They are, it's beautiful when they can rest on, you know, one's ancestral practices, but not all of us are connected to our ancestral practices. Not all of us have that sense. So we get to, we get to create, yeah, to fashion our own. And we get to have a life rich with ritual and ceremony just by, by deciding that that's, that's what we want. And that's what we're, what we're going to create for ourselves and one another. Love that. I love that idea. And yeah, it's, it, there's, there's a, an element of creativity that we can all bring in to make it really authentic to who, who we are. How can people find you? How can they work with you? I know you have a number of incredible offerings and of course the, the retreat space. So share a little bit about that before we end. Thank you. Thank you. Well, most of what I offer, and it is um, kind of continually evolving, but um, most of what I offer can be found on our website, which is Ritual Life. Ritual is spelled the the French way, so it's R-I-T-U-E-L-L-I-F-E dot com. And um, that's sort of the best place to go and find the full array of what I offer, which at this point is um, you know, ceremonial offerings, which are supporting people through transition and change, whatever phase of life you're in, also helping you design rituals, ceremonies for those other people in your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we also offer um, wellness sabbaticals that uh, support people through a myriad of, of health and, um, you know, mental, spiritual, physical uh, challenges and and uh, and transitions. Um, and then as you came to one the other the other evening, I do facilitate a number of circles and a lot of those are drop-in circles. And then we also do um, immersions, which are longer 
commitments to to uh, small small group containers and and retreats, which I love. You know, those are sort of seasonal offerings that that will also be up on the website or be on my Instagram, which is the same as as the website as Ritual Life. Fantastic. And I'll link all of these in the show notes so that it's easy for people to find them. Thank you so much, Eve. This has been such a beautiful conversation and just, I, you're, you have so much wisdom and I'm so grateful to be able to share it here on the podcast. Thank you so much. It's been an honor to talk to you and such a delight too. It's so delicious, beautiful conversation that we've so thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. And I appreciate you and what you're, what you're creating and doing in the world. It's just been so beautiful to witness oh. your evolution and um, your bravery in taking this path. Thank you so much. You have absolutely supported me and really helping me get here. So I, I'm just, I'm grateful to have you in my life. <laughs> thank you. Thank you.